Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset, and mental health. Are you feeling tired or are you under stress? Are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed? Well, I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years. Calm is the number one app for meditation, relaxation and sleep. With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life Podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10 minute meditation every day, 100 plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80 plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counseling sessions, and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics, including gratitude, happiness, and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations, and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm Premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time the mindful life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded We recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Please be advised that the content and the subject of today's episode may be distressing for some listeners. It deals with the subjects of premenstrual dysphoric disorder and suicidal ideation. Please exercise listener discretion. And if you feel you may be upset or triggered by listening, you may want to consider whether this episode is suitable for you. Australian mental health support numbers are listed in the show notes if you do require support or assistance. 
Hello and thanks for joining me for episode number 28 of the Mindful Life podcast. In today's episode, I talk about my deeply personal journey with premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD for short. PMDD is a psychological disorder characterized by a hormone imbalance that causes severe bouts of depression, anxiety and agitation. The symptoms of PMDD are similar to those of PMS, but are severe enough to interfere with work, social activities and relationships. Little is known about PMDD out there in the health sector, with some doctors having never heard of it or worse still believing it does not exist. But it is real and unmanaged it can be debilitating and it can impact quality of life severely. PMDD kicked my butt for a number of years, knocking the wind out of my sails each month when it arrived. It's taken a long time but I've learnt through trial and error how to manage my symptoms and how to live with my PMDD. For me, it's all about lifestyle choices and minimising my exposure to stress. And in more recent times, the Buddhist principles of acceptance, impermanence and self-compassion, along with my mindfulness practice and my meditation, have been a big part of my management strategy and assisted me no end through my PMDD journey. This episode is pretty personal. It's all about my struggle with mental illness. Yes, as you all know, I am a mental health worker, but no, that doesn't make me immune to mental illness. In fact, if anything, I believe health professionals are more vulnerable to the development of psychological disorders. I think the amount of stress we are exposed to in our work, along with the hours we traditionally work, and of course, couple this with vicarious trauma. So vicarious trauma is uh, where we as health professionals are exposed to uh, situations and traumatic stories that our clients tell us. So there you have the perfect recipe for the onset of mental health symptoms. So I believe I've suffered from premenstrual dysphoric disorder for around 15 years, but it really only began to impact me severely around five years ago. That episode seemed to be triggered by my participation in two crazy endurance events that were completed in the space of two weeks. The first, a 24-hour race, and the second, a 12-hour event. I think it was accumulative, uh, the effects of these events on my system. I think that really upset the psychological and hormonal apple cart. So what is premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD for short? PMDD is a severe form of PMS. And for those who don't know what PMS is, PMS is a range of symptoms that include mild moodiness in the lead up to the onset of the menstrual period. PMDD is characterized by a hormonal imbalance that causes severe bouts of depression agitation and anxiety. The symptoms of PMDD are similar to those of PMS, but are severe enough to interfere with work, social activities and relationships. And for me, my, my PMDD was characterized at its worst by around seven to 10 days of high anxiety, high agitation, uh, some lowered mood and feelings of hopelessness. These symptoms would occur around a week prior to my period, 
I also had a lot of trouble sleeping. The biggest and loudest feature was always anxiety. At its best, it would last for around three days in the lead up to my period. But as soon as I got my period, the symptoms would disappear like magic. So for me, back then, when I first realised I had it, my PMDD was severe and debilitating. It began to affect every aspect of my life, my self-esteem, my confidence, my work and my relationships. So by January 2015, after suffering with severe symptoms each month for a few months, I took myself off to the doctor. Now remember this condition only rears its ugly head once a month for around five to eight days and then it's gone. So it's really one of those things when you're in it, it's horrible, it's overwhelming, you feel you can't cope and most people won't access help or support at this time when they're really struggling, when they're at their rock bottom because they feel like they can't reach out, it's too hard. And then of course when it passes you feel really good and you get on with life again. So you don't access help and you just keep going with the cycle. So it took a few months of intense, intense symptoms for me to admit I needed help. Uh, I actually at the time did not have a regular doctor as I never really have a need to go to the doctor. But it was time, things had gotten pretty bad. Unfortunately that day there was only a male doctor available and he said he had never heard of PMDD. He told me I was just depressed and he, described, he prescribed antidepressants uh, and said that I was to start immediately and of course referred me for counselling. So I began the antidepressants and therapy with a psychologist who I'd seen post bushfires for trauma recovery. Anne was wonderful. Uh, the engagement was already there because we'd had the previous therapeutic relationship. And she immediately diagnosed me with PMDD, which was such a relief. She understood and her support was a lifeline. The medication knocked me out at night and it made me drowsy through the day and my mind felt very foggy. It also impacted my libido. So I persisted with it for a month and I found that my PMDD symptoms were lessened over that month. But it was also the holidays and we spent 14 days at the beach house. So it's kind of hard to know which was helping. Was it the pills or was it the holiday by the beach? Meanwhile, I also did my own research and found ways to help myself. And it was mainly around making lifestyle changes, reducing my stress, getting enough sleep and overhauling my diet. At the recommendation of the psychologist, I did go back to the GP to look at changing medications. This time I saw a female GP and she really was, I guess you could say she was a piece of work. She told me my PMDD didn't exist and that I had depression. She got annoyed at me, ranting, you health professionals think you are experts in mental health. She also told me to snap out of it. She changed my meds and said this time I needed to stay on them for at least three months to see uh, any change. I was in a living hell. Other than my psychologist, I felt no one was listening and no one understood what I was going through. I reluctantly began the new meds. Within a few days, I felt... I guess you'd say internally numb. The anxiety was trying to creep through, but the numbness was competing. The meds would not let me cry. I'm a crier and crying is my release. But no matter how hard I tried, I could not cry. 
I began to have intrusive thoughts around not wanting to live anymore. And images were coming into my mind of ways to end my life. That month, my PMDD was at its absolute worst. I had never experienced intrusive and uncontrollable thoughts like this before, but I was beginning to not trust myself. On a cognitive and rational level, I wanted to live and I had no desire to leave this world or to leave my, my family, but I could no longer control the thoughts I was having. And I just, I just didn't trust myself anymore. I had no intention to act on these thoughts, but uh, there was such a fear that, um, I don't know, I'd just be overwhelmed and uh, something terrible might happen. So I was at my wit's end uh, and all the while I was still working on the, uh, the phone lines providing psychological support to others. My work was of course beginning to suffer and I was only just hanging in there in terms of my job. I do recall I took quite a bit of sick leave around this time which is no surprise. So I again returned to the GP after being on the new meds for around three weeks, uh, really just to check in with her and let her know how I was travelling. My PMDD for that month, um, whilst it was the worst episode yet, it had passed, but I still wasn't feeling great. The internal numbness was still there and my usually healthy libido was non-existent. She again told me to pull my socks up um, as I have everything to live for. She again reiterated that PMDD does not exist uh, and that I need to move on from thinking that it does. She also explained that the side effects I was experiencing were not common for this brand of meds and that I was to persist. Uh, I noticed her pen and her notepad both carried the name of said medication. So of course my cynical mind came to the conclusion that she was getting kickbacks or she was on their payroll. Who knows, maybe, maybe not. So regardless, I listened to her and I stayed on the meds. Uh, so let's just actually pause here for a moment, just pause my story. I just want to explain something about suicidal thoughts and commencing antidepressant medication. It can be quite common for some people to experience uh, suicidal ideation or for their risk in terms of suicide to increase when they are first uh, put on a new antidepressant medication. It seems strange, I know, and there's so much conflicting research and evidence out there as to why this happens to some uh, people in the population. And in fact, if you do Google why this happens, it's really hard to get an answer or to pin down exactly why this occurs, as a lot of the articles and the evidence is actually put out there by the drug companies who want to refute this claim because they want you to stay on the medication. So anyway, my understanding and experience is that uh, new meds can increase the risk for some clients and clearly I was one of them. But of course the G GP poo-pooed this idea. She didn't agree that um, the medication could be uh, contribu contributing to these intrusive thoughts. She said it was just linked to the depression. She also said that she'd never known anyone um, to experience any of these symptoms that I was having. But at the advice of the GP, I did continue on the meds, but within a few days, I made the decision to come off them. It was just unbearable. It had been nearly a month and I just felt terrible. The numbness was the worst uh, and I just didn't want to live this way anymore. So I continued with the psychologist and I really began to overhaul my lifestyle. I was doing more and more research around uh, what would help me 
um, and what I could do holistically. So I began to figure out uh, what I needed to do. Minimizing stress was a big one. As I've already mentioned, getting adequate sleep was, was really important as well. Uh, gentle exercise like yoga, walking and Pilates. As I found intense exercise just increased my anxiety. So I think uh, if you're someone who's quite anxious, sometimes uh, participating in intense exercise can increase your cortisol and adrenaline and just increase those anxiety symptoms. So at that point in time when things partic were particularly bad, intense exercise wasn't something that was helping me. Uh, my husband, of course, tried hard to understand, but most men are fixers and he just wanted to fix me. I taught him how to help me, just to listen, uh, give me a cuddle when I asked for it. And I taught him how to um, ask me things like, how can I help? What do you need me to do? So simple things like that um, were really helpful. If just getting him to uh, do school pickups or pick up some dinner on the way, just help me in that way. He was really my anchor each month when the storm drifted in, supporting and loving me no matter what. But having said that, there were months where I know I was so hard to live with and I was really hard on him. I would shut down uh, or I would drag up the past. I'd be snappy and moody. This is PMDD. And some months uh, when I'm in it, I can't see that I'm in it. I just feel so overwhelmed and so consumed by the symptoms. So as time passed, I began to manage my symptoms better, but I still dreaded those six to 10 days each month when the horrible darkness and the fear crept back in, uh, setting up camp, turning me into a person that I didn't want to be. So I really struggled with accepting that this was where I was at and this is what I had to live with. But then I discovered Buddhism and of course, mindfulness practice. And this is when I really turned a corner. I finally got my head above water um, and I began to lean on the Buddhist principles of acceptance and impermanence and I began to exercise self-compassion. So these things have been my guiding light or really the light at the end of my PMDD tunnel each month. Acceptance teaches me not to fight my PMDD and in a way to embrace it, to prepare for it, to accept that this is what I have. The more I fight my PMDD and want it out of my life, the more I will suffer. It will come each month, that is a certainty, and I have to accept it. If I do accept this, then I may be able to manage it better. And of course, impermanence. Uh, the principle of impermanence has been so helpful for me in managing my PMDD. My mantra is, this too shall pass, and I say this over and over again, when I am deep in amongst my PMDD symptoms. Impermanence teaches us that nothing lasts forever. Everything in life is transient and passes. Uh, so I reassure myself that my symptoms will soon pass. And I think this really lessens my suffering. I kind of say to myself, okay, it's here. This is day one. You know, I've probably got three or four days. And I just kind of put one foot in front of the other, knowing that it will end. And I'm really kind to myself. I do not berate myself or speak unkindly to myself. I actually comfort myself and speak to myself with loving kindness. Tell myself I'm doing my best um, and that I can get through this. And of course, practicing mindfulness. I try hard to just sit with the feeling and tell myself it is just anxiety 
or it is just sadness or agitation. And that it's PMDD that is responsible for this, no one else. So I try and separate myself from the illness, let it sit beside me. Uh, I tell myself I'm not failing at life. I'm not a bad parent or a bad wife. Uh, I'm not an incompetent mental health worker. When my PMDD is at its worst, I believe all these things. I believe uh, all these inaccuracies. But I'm learning, uh, probably over the last 12 months, I've learned to step back and to challenge these thoughts and to have more of an understanding that this is just PMDD, this is just anxiety uh, talking. Uh, I know rationally that anxiety likes us to believe all of these uh, lies, but thankfully I can stand back now and I can begin to challenge them. So as I record this deeply personal episode, I'm right in the middle of my PMDD phase for this month and I'm actually doing okay. Over the last 12 months, uh, as I was just saying, things have improved. The duration and the severity of symptoms has lessened and I think it's due to better management and of course acceptance. That's the biggest thing. Uh, This week I deliberately scheduled a quiet week at work with just a few clients. Having my own private practice business, I do have the freedom to do that. I can look at my calendar and say, okay, that's the middle of my cycle or uh, that's my PMDD phase. Um, I'm going to do less. I'm going to schedule less clients in so I can have a slower, uh, quieter week. I've learnt the hard way that I need to slow down when my PMDD is active. Some months are still hard, but the hard months are not as often as they used to be. Last month, I was going through a bit of stuff uh, personally. So last month, when PMDD hit, uh, it latched on to those things I was going through personally, and I found my PMDD symptoms were very loud, and it was very hard. Um, So I find that if I have something stressful going on during my PMDD phase, then it's amplified. I feel really overwhelmed. I feel like I can't cope. So these days, the things that help me include my meditation. My meditation has been a lifesaver. So, you know, when I meditate, I don't, you know, sit down on my meditation cushion for an hour. I meditate, you know, lots of times a day. It might be in the car, just focusing on my breath first thing in the morning. Uh, doing some deep breathing, focusing on the sensations in my body uh, or last thing at night. So my breath work is uh, something that's very valuable to me and um, along with my meditation, that's been a lifesaver and has really helped me to manage the overwhelming feelings that anxiety can bring with it. Also minimising my caffeine intake, uh, as I keep saying, I keep harping on about sleep, but I can't emphasize how important sleep is, uh, not only for people who suffer from PMDD, but for anyone um, who suffers from anxiety. When we don't get enough sleep, this increases our cortisol production. And cortisol is the enemy of anxiety. You know, when we have high cortisol, that increases our anxiety symptoms. So getting adequate sleep, I can't emphasize enough how important that is. Uh, Daily exercise is really important for me. I get regular massages and using my oils. I've recently discovered um, oils and I've got a lovely lady who provides me with some beautiful roll-on blends. Um, She's made me up some special blends that have uh, been made specific to my PMDD symptoms. So I found those really helpful. 
um, using them at different times throughout the month um, and particularly when my PMDD is loud. Also minimizing my sugar intake and just trying to um, have a healthy diet on the whole and spending time with supportive people and most importantly minimizing my stress. So if my stress is high um, I find that my PMDD sim symptoms are much louder. I did reduce my workload markedly in mid-2017. Uh, obviously working in mental health clearly can be quite stressful. My PMDD was at its worst when I worked on the phones providing um, assessment and psychological support uh, to others. This work was incredibly stressful and even traumatic at times when I worked on um, the Beyond Blue support line. That was an incredibly traumatic um, role dealing with people who were very distressed. So that, um, you know, obviously increased my stress levels because I'm dealing with um, trauma or vicarious trauma, as I explained before. So working less has helped me no end. Uh, and I believe doing less one-on-one -on -one work. I'm still providing one-on-one counselling, but I'm doing much more um, group work now, which I really enjoy. It really fills my bucket. Um, it's the working upstream approach, so the preventative approach rather than putting out fires um, is much more, um, I think, productive and much less stressful for me. And it's really helped my stress levels. So sharing this deeply personal story of mine has been something I've really wanted to do via my podcast. Um, the object of this or the aim of this podcast has always been uh, to educate and to raise awareness and to reduce the stigma of mental illness. And I think sharing my story can help to reduce that stigma. Most people do know I live with anxiety symptoms. I do share this with my clients. Um, I'm quite transparent in sharing that I do struggle with anxiety. Uh, I think it's just easier to say that I have anxiety rather than explaining what PMDD is all about. But of course, by sharing that I have PMDD, I hope that I am emphasizing that PMDD is real. It's a real mental health condition, despite what some of the medical uh, world says. The medical world had no idea how to manage me and my condition. Thankfully, I was lucky enough to be linked in with a psychologist who had heard of PMDD and who was committed to supporting me where I was at at the time. I think, too, there are probably women out there living with PMDD who don't even know that they have it. So I wanted to share my experiences. I think it's important to highlight that mental health needs to be talked about. If I had a broken leg, I'd be talking about having a broken leg. Uh, mental health and psychological well-being should be the same. We should be free and not afraid to talk about it. But sadly, because it's invisible, um, you know, it's, we carry it on the inside and there is stigma attached to mental illness. So I think uh, that discourages people from opening up and sharing. However, mental health issues are so widespread and no one is immune. What we know is that one in three people will experience ill mental health at some point in their life. Uh, this experience that I've had, my PMDD, has rocked me to the core, but it's also given me a new understanding of what it's like to live with mental health issues. And this has, of course, made me more empathic, uh, more compassionate and more understanding of my clients 
and their experiences. I don't just work from a textbook and I think um, it's helpful for clients to understand that, that I don't just work from what I learnt in my degree. I have a real and lived experience of mental illness and I'm human and I have you know, human experiences just like everyone else and I'm affected just like everyone else. Just because I have this training and this knowledge, it doesn't mean that uh, you know, I won't be affected in the same way as other people. So thanks for stopping by to listen to today's episode on my journey with uh, the mental health disorder PMDD, premenstrual dysphoria disorder. I really do believe that this is a highly uh, misunderstood and often hidden mental illness. I'd like to say that there is help out there. And look, I think there is. But as I've illustrated, it can be hard to find this help and even harder to get people to understand exactly where you're at and where, what you're experiencing. I'd recommend finding a good therapist, either a psychologist or a mental health social worker um, and doing your own research. There's a lot of information online about PMDD, um, how to manage it um, and what it's all about. If you are struggling psychologically with any of the symptoms I've described today or you think you might have PMDD, please at the very least reach out and get some support just to manage these psychological issues in the first instance. Uh, despite what I've illustrated today, there are some fantastic doctors out there that can help you. Uh, you know, they, they may be willing to research with you and explore with you exactly what's going on and they may be open to, um, you know, looking at a diagnosis of PMDD. I will put some PMDD resources in the show notes. Please also feel free to drop me a line either via email or uh, via my Mindful Life socials pages. I would love to hear from you if you have a history of PMDD or if any of what I've talked about today resonates with you. Uh, all contact details are also in the show notes so you can contact me via those channels. And if you have learned something today or found this episode helpful, please feel free to share. Uh, you never know, it just might help or even enlighten someone else. And if you are listening via a podcast that allows you to leave a review, please consider leaving a few kind, encouraging words and hitting those stars. And until next time, may you have peace in your thoughts and your hearts and share it with others. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. You've been listening to the Mindful Life podcast with your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com.